Hello and welcome to Can You Hear Me at the Back, the podcast about all things voice and communication. Hi, Andrea. Hi, Leon. So, in a word and a movement, Mm -hmm. tell me how you're feeling this afternoon. (laughs) Kind of spooky. It's for Halloween. <laughs> it's for Halloween. <laughs> it's not for like a whole month yet. It's October. It's Halloween month. Sure. How, it's, the, it's the month of Halloween. It's the month of Halloween. Leon, in a sound and a movement, tell me how you're feeling. I like that. Yeah, I know that, I that feeling. You had. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say it's because you had that nap, and you were like. I was partly because of the nap as yeah. well, but it was mainly because of hot dog. I do that when I wake up. You had onions on it and pickles. So, what were we talking about today? Um, we're talking about code switching. Yes. Code switching, switching your code. Um, so, what's code, and then what's what are you switching? Let's start at the basics. Um, yeah, I mean, let's define our terms as if we were academics. I just had a huge debate with somebody about that. But anyway. Um, what about defining terms? Yes. Because they were like, why do you have to define terms? And I was like, well, so we're all on the same premise, right? Mm. Because if I start an argument, but we don't believe that X equals X, you think X equals Y, then anything I say about X is just completely false. Yeah. Because you don't believe that X equals X. Yeah. And they're like, well, but you should distill things so that a seven-year-old could understand it. And I was like, but we're talking about academia anyway. It was a long story. But also, if you explain something clearly when you set out the terms in the first instance, then a seven-year-old will be able to understand it. Yeah, They're absolutely. not stupid. They're just seven. Yeah. <laughs> that was the best. Like, guys. <laughs> that was the best um, to all the seven-year-olds out there. So codes. Um, I've always seen um, code as an... Um, uh, in this instance, a language or a variety of a language. Um, so I think we talked about varieties of language. You have like motherese, you have office speak, you've mm-hmm. got lawyer speak, legalese, as some people call it. You've got doctor speak, all the kind of language that revolves around a particular location or occupation or something like that. We call them registers of language. And they could also be referred to as codes. Yes, in this instance, they could be referred to as codes. Like a like a code of conduct, mm-hmm. like a sort of set of rules that you abide by or adhere to that are really kind of that, that define that way of being. Yeah. Oh, that was a bit vague, but <laughs> I got it. Yeah. It's also just like you know, um, if y equals x plus four two is like your code. Right, and you're just plugging it in. <laughs> right, plug just, it in. You just algebraed my brain, and, it's gone. <laughs> and you just keep plugging it in and plugging it in, and you always get the same outcome. That's also a code. Like when you play like a like a puzzle, mm. and you have to come up with a code. You know, you have to come up with the rules to break the code, like on those locks. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, like that. That's a, that's also a code. Mm. I don't know if I explained that right. I, I get it. Okay. It's like... Because I yeah. see your mind firing. <laughs> I am. I'm like kind of going, oh, that applies to so many things. It does. It does. It does. Yeah. So it's almost like a, a key to unlock a lock. Yes. And the reason I think... 
I think the reason they use it for language is because um, it is the key to communication. Oh, that's nice. Yes, you see how the slide Very nice. There. Um, so that's a code. Um, mm. Switching is when you switch between different varieties of language. Ah. Yeah. So um, I always explain it to my students as like you speak one way at home, you speak another way at school, you speak another way to your teacher, you speak another way to like a doctor. Um, and for some people, that means that you switch your accent entirely. Mm-hmm. You might have an Irish accent at home. You might go really North London at school. You might, you know, I mean, that'd be really cool. <laughs> <laughs> if you do do that, like, let me know because I need samples. But like, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's really interesting because in some contexts, well, when I first was learning about that sort of thing, mm-hmm. it was always to do with the register of language rather than the register of uh, rather than a, a change in accent, and then mm. uh, so at school ostensibly, and then when I went to drama school, I realised that actually there is more to do with accent to do with that as well, and then realised how much of a vocal chameleon I am, uh, where I will change my accent relative to the people that I'm speaking to. Mm-hmm. So when I go to the garage, the garage, <laughs> I was the like, garage, what's a garage? a garage? The garage, the garage, the, the garage. garage, the garage. Um, depending on whether you're north or south London, um, I don't, <laughs> I try not to change my accent too much, yeah. but when I go in, I do get a bit more London. Yeah. I'm like, all right, mate, how you doing? <laughs> um, yeah, my car's not working, and it's a bit like, what? It's more like that, which I don't really sound like <laughs> most of the time, but if I go in, I'm terribly sorry, my car doesn't work, I'm not really sure what's going on, which, then it's, then it, uh, then I feel like they're going to charge me more. <laughs> I was like, just say it. They're going to charge you a lot more. That's what I think they're going to do. They're going to charge me more money. Um, and I don't have any money. So. And, and that's like a whole other thing. My car's terrible. <laughs> that's like a whole other thing because I always... Um, I, because some people feel like, remember we were talking about way, way back before, way, way back before, like two episodes ago, mm. um, about um, listening and how people listen. Yeah. Um, and obviously there's certain stigmas and attachment and social things that we attach to accents. Mm. Um, but some people firmly believe that you shouldn't change your accent because your accent is who you are. Mm. Um, but it's okay to change your language, Right. So if you teach, to, if you if you um, if you talk to your teacher in a certain way, right? Like that's like in, in the way that you would talk to your friends, like that's not okay because you should be switching the different registers of language depending on who you talk to. Mm-hmm. Now, if you talk to some people, they're like, yeah, you can switch your language, but don't change your accent because your accent tells us who you are. Um, so that seems there. So there are some people who are on that kind of fence with it. Mm-hmm. But as voice practitioners and as accent people, mm. um, excellent people. Because <laughs> I was like, are we are accent practitioners? Because I guess we do practice accents. We do practice accents. <laughs> um, accent coach people, coach people. Ac- Sounds accent- like you live on a coach if you say coach. <laughs> I'm an accent coach person. <laughs> There's a whole <laughs> island of us. <laughs> we rally together on Sundays. <laughs> Um, but if you, um, as an accent person, yeah, <laughs> I'm going to yeah, stick with yeah, that. Yeah, as an accent person, um, we're constantly listening and changing and, um, and there's this kind of idea that we do kind of change to fit in. Mm. And I think 
I think a lot of people do that. I think a lot of people change how they speak to you. And not necessarily to fit in because I want to be cool, but to fit in and, and be like, yeah, I don't want to be charged more. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> or, yeah. or fit in sometimes is dangerous. If I don't fit in, I could be in a situation where people out me as being an other in some kind mm. of way. And that could be physically dangerous for me or psychologically dangerous for me in that kind of sense. And in the same, in the same sense, there are some extremely embarrassing um, videos of people. Um, I can't remember who it was, but I think I'll put it on the Twitter feed when I remember who it was. Um, a football manager who was then speaking to a group of, I think, Dutch journalists. Yes, I've seen this. You've seen this. Yes. He's, he's doing like he's speaking like Dutchies. Like yeah, he's, he's speaking like, English with a Dutch accent. With a Dutch accent, but with like a up... Dutch syntax as well. Yeah, it's really weird. I. I did that when I went to, um, if you talk to anyone who's lived, uh, who's a native English speaker, but has lived somewhere where English is not the prominent language, Mm. a lot of things changed. And when I lived in Korea for a year, um, my English completely changed and I would come home or I would talk to my mom on the phone and like all of my sentences were a little bit inverted. Mm. Um, and I don't want to use the word simplified, but they were, they weren't as, um, long for one thing. Mm -hmm. Um, and they weren't as packed with information as they were mm-hmm. before I left mm-hmm. because I was making sure that I could communicate with the people that I was trying to communicate with but I never switched it off because I didn't know I was doing it and my mother would get so upset she was like why are you speaking like this <laughs> I guess it's also sense. because um in that sort of context and, and it's in, in this particular interview example as well mm-hmm. they use he uses sort of Dutch syntax, mm-hmm. but, or whatever it is, whatever language it can't be, but he uses the syntax of the language, or he simplifies the syntax, he mm-hmm. sort of pairs it down, so it still means what it, he think what it should mean, mm-hmm. except it's not, it's sort but the, the trouble is with him is it sounds really condescending. Right. Because he speaks English as a first language. Because he speaks English as a first language. It's not, and he, it sounds like he's doing, like he says, at times he says things like, how you say, um, whatever. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, no, no, not how you say. You it know it how is you how say. you say it. Like, it's, <laughs> stop it. That's not the right. So there are those sorts of weird moments where mm. that happens. So sometimes yeah. it can work entirely not in your favour. Yeah, it can, it can make you look kind of bad. <laughs> <laughs> a wee bit bad. A wee bit, a wee bit bad. Um, yeah. But yeah, but I think I think too that 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 has a lot to do with like what we hold in terms of accent and what we build up around that, because um, mm-hmm. it does hold a lot of personal information and it holds um, it, it holds. I like to say, and bear with me. Um, I've been teaching a lot. <laughs> I've been teaching a lot about um, sound recently, um, and I think that we all have um, sound escapes that are um that are familiar to us but all, that also make us feel at ease and make us feel like you know that we're at home almost like you know when you hear your favorite sound or something that you that you remember from your childhood mm. and it just feels kind of like you're putting on like a warm blanket <laughs> yes um yeah. and if somebody else does it you're like yeah that's my blanket. <laughs> you didn't put the blanket on right. You know what I mean? It's just yeah, like, yeah. Uh, it's like it's like when you like when I hear somebody do a bad American, I'm like, oh no. <laughs> it's like that is 
no, I that that's not what that yeah, is. Yeah, that's painful. Yeah, it's yeah. like I'm sure it's the same when you hear somebody do a, a terrible cockney or a terrible like yeah. RP, and you're just like, oh. Yeah. No. You're like, why did you, why? Stop it. Yeah, because you're taking sounds that you know and that you like and that you've lived around and been around and you're, you're almost like distorting them in a way. It's sort of like, um, uh, sacrilege. Yes. Isn't it? Yeah, That's what I was yeah, thinking yeah, of. Yeah, yeah. And as you were saying it, I was thinking, yeah, because there's like, so we're we're here sitting in my studio in uh, in the Cooperage in Brick Lane, and on Brick Lane there are two shops that mm-hmm. sell traditional uh, Jewish food. Mm-hmm. Right, <laughs> I and, already love where this is going. Yeah, so there are two feasible pronunciations of a word that is not English. Right, it is Yiddish, mm-hmm. um, and the word can be spelled either sort of phonemically or sort of phonetically, right. and it depends on how you pronounce it. Right. So, when it's transliterated into English, mm-hmm. you can have B-E-I-G-E-L. Oh my gosh, spelling is like math right now. B- B-E-I-G-E-L. Oh, okay, yeah. Or you can have B-A-G-E-L. Right. You would say the, the latter, yeah. and I would say the former. So, the former is Beigel, yeah. <laughs> right? Because it's that sort of um, uh, Germano-Jewish kind of root is mm-hmm. I, I, that I, diphthong. Yeah. And you would do A. Yeah, bagel. Bagel. Yeah. And I would do bagel. Yeah. Because for me, bagel is, is Yiddish, mm-hmm. is, is European Yiddish. Yeah. And bagel is like a New Yorkism yeah. of the, of the, of the Germano-Jewish kind of yeah. uh, pronunciation. And my dad has this theory. Okay. He's like, if you say bagel, you know nothing of bagels. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's really funny he's like because it's not the same thing it's not. and it, what's really interesting is is that actually even the texture of the bread itself mm-hmm. in New York is different yeah. if you go to a Jewish deli versus if you go to like a kind of high street deli that's just doing bagels, bagels yeah and like the, if you put them in the, if you have to put them in the toaster for them to be nice that's no. not a bagel no that's a bagel no yeah and so when people then go also, oh yeah it's my favourite and I'm like no, no, no! You can't buy in a store. Yeah, I, I had a very no. big argument with in a bakery. Um, like, yeah, I had a very, very big argument with a with a friend um, about this, and we are still friends. Um, we just don't talk about that anymore <laughs> because I was like, you can't buy it and and then put it in a t- 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 put it in a toaster. No, it's wrong. I can't eat those. It's like it's it's not it's it's fake. <laughs> It's like fake bread that and they what, just put into a And if you take bagel. a bagel, like a proper Jewish bagel, mm. and you and you slice it in half and you put it in a toaster, mm. it's a weird, it's a wonderful thing. It is. But it is weird. Mm. I was like, that's weird. I don't like it. Mm. Or when people put, like, it, I find it really weird when people put bacon in it. And so bacon belongs in sandwiches, and that's a whole different thing. And we don't have enough time for me to explain <laughs> how I feel about sandwiches. But I mean, <laughs> we could do a whole episode on sandwiches. We'll do a whole other show. But the whole thing is, like, I find it really strange that you're taking a Jewish, like, like a symbol of Judaism, basically, in mm. my mind. It's mm. a symbol of my Judaism and my Judaica and all that sort of stuff mm. or as we call it in, uh, in Yiddish Yiddishkeit so it's all of the <laughs> Jewish stuff that goes around with it um, that and then you put bacon in it it's like it's like a massive 
sacrilege like, yeah. to put that in there. And even though I love bacon, I am a terrible chick. I love bacon. But I also love bygles and I would never put bacon in a bygle. Like, it would just be weird. Yeah, but that's part, and that's part of who you are. But yeah. I think sounds work the exact same way. Mm. Like, I think there are definitely sounds that... Like, I, I always get really upset when people do American and then they start going New York for so absolutely no, no reason. Because um, I'm like, no, we're special. <laughs> <laughs> we're special people. <laughs> and we speak in a special way. <laughs> and you have completely ruined what I know to be special. <laughs> it is no longer special. <laughs> I love the whole physicality changes. It's no longer special. It's not. It's not. <laughs> it's, it's really not. It's like I, I feel like I channeled um in my mind her name is um Mary um at the DMV. It's like it's not special anymore. <laughs> I've been here for hours. Four hours. Can Four you believe hours. it? <laughs> anyway. So in terms of code switching, back to code switching. I code switch all the time. Um <laughs> Um, there are also different, uh, so we talked about different registers, mm. um, but the ones that I come across the most, I teach a lot of my, um, especially uh, drama school or acting students, um, is about their home accent, because mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of them come to London to study, and then they get that RP thing, and they're like, oh no, I'm losing parts of myself, mm -hmm. and, and I always try to frame it as, as a, in a code-switching way. It's like, no, no, you're not losing something. You're gaining something. You're gaining access to some other thing. And you can choose whether you would like that to do that thing or not. Mm -hmm. And that is a choice, and that is a code-switching choice. Now, when you take away that option, and when you tell them, no, you can only speak in this accent, that is, that is you're taking away the choice. Yeah. And I think in this day and age, it's really important for everybody to be able to use whichever code or switch into whichever code mm. they want to mm. because casting is becoming so much broader in the way that it's being expressed and allowed to expand mm -hmm. um and it should be allowed not that there should be somebody gatekeeping it but it is like we should be told yes you can rather than no you can't yeah um and that there is nothing off limits and there shouldn't be you know there shouldn't be kind of restrictions on things necessarily um but that, again, you'd need to marry up or completely make incongruous mm. the connection between the accent choice and the vocal quality and the character that, you're, that you happen to be playing. Mm -hmm. So either it has to make sense yeah. on the very surface of it, or mm -hmm. it doesn't make sense and you think, oh, why does that not make sense? Mm -hmm. And then through the subtext or the actual you know, narrative, you get something much more interesting and nuanced about this character's particular background. Mm -hmm. So then all of these weird accent acting choices that you've made completely make sense because they did, you know, spend half their life living in Marrakesh and then, you know, then they moved to Paris. So they've got this sort of yeah. North African kind of sound, but it's French. But yeah. then they're living in London, so they speak English, but it's not a London accent. Like, yeah. where's Jonas May and all that kind of... Yeah. Interesting stuff. I tell, but see, don't, don't be, um, so I tell my students that all the time, but I'm also like, but don't be lazy. If you're going to do an accent, put the work into the accent. Because yeah. it's not cool to halfway do an accent and then be like, oh no, but my character code switches. <laughs> but code switches back to your accent. That's not, that's no, not, that's, that's not. not a thing. Um, I mean, it, it, it could be if you, 
but don't don't do that. Learn the accent. Learn the accent. <laughs> Learn the accent. If you want to contact us about anything we said in the podcast, you can reach us on Twitter at Can You Hear Pod or on Instagram at Can You Hear Me Podcast. Or you can search for us on Facebook and on YouTube. Or email us at Can You Hear Me at the back at gmail.com. You can find me, Leon, on Twitter at Leon Trayman. Or me, Andrea, at Andrea Fudge on Twitter. Please support the podcast by subscribing as a patron on our Patreon site. The link is in the show notes. To keep the podcast advertisement free, as well as get access to cool extra stuff, discounts, bonus episodes, as well as supporting ongoing voice research funding as well. Okay, love you, bye!